All right, well, we're going to continue teaching. Uh, we started last week on a teaching titled uh, Overcoming the Trials of Life. And, uh, you know, in this life we live in a, it's a fallen and, and dying world. Uh, human beings are, are imperfect. They weren't made that way. They were made perfect in the beginning. Adam and Eve were perfect till they sinned. And when they sinned, we all inherited their, their sinful condition and their broken condition. And that's the world we live in. And we see the ugliness in the world today, and there's two reasons for that. One is Satan and the whole array of angels uh, fell from God's grace, were disobedient to God, and they're roaming. There's, there's powers of spiritual darkness roaming this earth. They're having influence on events and people and, and lying to people, causing those who aren't following the Lord, even those who are, if they want to listen to him, uh, to follow his advice and to, to cause harm, to do harm to people. So there's, we can just come up with a, a whole list of different sets of trials that we endure. One is, comes from our fellow human beings. They come against us. They can lie. Maybe they want to take advantage. Maybe we're in a job position. They're going to lie about us or put us down. I mean, all kinds of different things can happen. The enemy's definitely coming against us. If we're believers in Christ, the enemy is coming against. And what does he do? As uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the enemy, the devil, he comes only but to steal, kill, and de to destroy. And right after that, Jesus says, but I have come to give life and come to give life abundantly. All the evil, all the destruction, even death that comes about in this world comes from Satan. It doesn't come from God. You know, and as we talk through here, I, I want you to have this understanding that God often gets blamed for the trials of life, and he's not the cause of the trials of life. God is not trying to, to, to teach us something, teach us a lesson, so he's going to bring bad things into our pathway. And there's Christians that believe that, Christians that preach that. And if that's the case, you know, there's, there's people at a young age that have lost children, sons, daughters, and all throughout their life, you know, I've, I've known of them all throughout their life. They've been distant from the Lord, not that they haven't believed, but they're mad at God, they're angry at God, they're blaming him, and he's not to blame. He, did. he came to give life and to give life abundantly. He hasn't come to bring about death. He's not the author of death. He's not the author of suffering. But guess what? If, if, if we're following the Lord, we're on the devil's, you know, we're on his target board. We're, he's coming after us. Because what does he want to do? He wants to discourage us. He wants to rob us of our joy. Right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, we have no wait, wait, wait. We're recording this, and we want to record it, please. If we're discouraged, we have no testimony. We have no good news. We have nothing positive to say about God. So how can you testify to somebody else about how great Jesus is? How can you share the gospel? Amen. All right, so we're going to uh, turn today uh, to the New Testament and the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 2, we're going to begin to read. And it reads, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Hmm, that's a head scratcher, right? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So this sounds, this sounds as though 
Our, test is, our faith is being tested. When we're going through and we're enduring trials, our faith is being tested. But this is very often misunderstood in the body of Christ as though God, is, God is, is causing these trials to come about so he can test our faith. That is not true. The enemy's coming, coming, coming against us, and he's the one that's coming against us. He's trying to tear down this relationship that we have with the Lord. So... As we endure these, uh, these trials, how do we overcome these trials? Do we do it of our own strength and our own ability? It's impossible. We can't do it. We can't do it apart from the help of the Lord. So the testing of our faith, where is the victory? How did we win salvation on day one? Wasn't it through our faith in the gospel? As Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And then it goes on to say, the just shall live by faith. So faith got us saved on day one, but we don't leave it alone. We walk by faith. Every day we walk by faith. So what do we do when we're enduring these trials? Do we say, Lord, I got it. I'm strong. I can handle it. Well, you might handle it for just a short while, and then you're going to come in, and he's going to come in with a right and a left. But, so how do, we commit, how do we endure these trials? How do we overcome, not just endure, but how do we overcome? Right here, the key word is faith. Our faith gets tested, but what is our faith? Our faith in what? Our faith in Christ. Our faith in the finished work of Christ. What he performed for us at the cross. Guess what? We have victory in all things. Jesus not only conquered death, but he conquered, he provided victory for us against the enemy. In all these trials he comes against us with, it's about our faith. So what do we do? We just cast all of our cares upon him, take these trials, and, it, you know, it's not always an easy thing. We're in the midst of these trials. Man, it looks like it's coming to a bad end, right? Well, sometimes those trials, the enemy has a machine gun. And, you know, you get hit with one bullet, and, you know, and you can take it, right? <laughs> but then here comes <laughs> all the rest of the bullets, and what do you do? You stand. Because, as Mary said, God's word is the truth. He's not going to take it back. He's not going to make special exemptions for certain people. The truth is the truth. We're, we are equal in his sight. He is no respecter of persons. So what he will do for one, he will do for another. And as we read through the precious word that he gave us, his love letter, so that we have a guide so that we know what to stand on, he gives us the whole armor of God. In Ephesians 6, I know we've all read it, and we read it, and maybe we don't understand exactly what that all says. But he has given us each piece of armor to protect every part that the enemy is going to try to shoot down. So we stand. We stand like Mary stood this morning. She said, you know what? I know all this, but... Am I really knowing it today? And not in my brain, but in my heart. Do I really know that's the truth? Well, by golly, yeah, it's the truth. And devil, you've been messing with me long enough, and it's over. I'm standing. You are not going to touch me because I am covered. The blood of Jesus, nothing can get through that. Amen? Amen. So in verse 3, it says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is this patience referring to? 
the patience as a result is a result of trusting in the Lord because guess what? We, you know, we'll, we'll give these conditions to the Lord. Lord, I just give this all to you. You work it all out. Give me wisdom and where I need wisdom and I need to make decisions. I'm trusting you for the victory so I don't have to do it of my own strength and my own ability. But guess what? We don't always see the answer immediately. Sometimes there's a waiting. The, the patience is to wait patiently on the Lord. Wait patiently for his answer, for his victory. And we're going to see it in the circumstances. And when we're praying to him, we wait patiently. We wait patiently for his, his advice. Well, what does he do when we're trusting in him? He gives us wisdom. He will speak to us in our hearts, our minds. Do this. Go this direction. Make this decision. And we will have a complete and total peace in our hearts and in our minds when we are listening to his voice. And God is faithful. He just doesn't show up some, sometimes. He doesn't show up even 99% of the time. He is faithful to show up 100% of the time. He will never let us down. How many of you can think of one time in your life where you've truly trusted in your Lord, in the Lord, for an answer in something of all things, but something of real, real significance, something that could be alter the, the direction of your life. And if when you've trusted in him, when have you ever experienced a bad outcome? Now, sometimes and many times, the outcome is different than what we're expecting because God has, he knows all things. He sees all things. He knows our future. So when we're truly trusting in him, we don't try to barge through a door that won't open up. If we keep trying to open a door and pass through that door and it won't open up, just get your hands off the door, get out of the way, because if one door closes, he is faithful to open a new door, a better door with better results. Amen? Praise God. That's our God and Savior. Amen. And when the, you know, the devil, he dangles those carrots, they look so good. They look so good. They, I mean, gosh, I really need to go eat that carrot, right? You eat it, and I guarantee you, it is so bitter. You're like, spit it out. He has nothing good for us, but God does. And, you know, in the, in the midst of it all, we are learning incredible in, uh, instructions for our lives. We may not want to learn those right then and there. We may want our answer like now. But uh, in our experience, and we've had a few years of experience under our belt, right, Mr. May? <laughs> and, uh, you know, we look at each other when we don't see the answer right away, and we go, aha, <laughs> God's got something so much better. And then we begin to rejoice, and we begin to praise him. And that's what God says, praise me in all situations. Because you know what? There's nothing else you can do. There's nothing you can do in your own strength to change situations. But he changes hearts. He softens hearts. He brings angels into the situation. He's got legions of them. You know, it's just like Elisha. You know, he, uh, that, Ahab was coming after him. There was no way, you know, he was going to let that man live. And his poor little, Elisha's little buddy, you know, his, his uh, assistant, you know, in the morning when Ahab was surrounding their camp with all of his minions, Elisha knew better. He trusted God. And he said, Lord, 
show him, show him what I see. And the Lord opened that young man's eyes, and lo and behold, there were chariots of fire surrounding the other chariots. And, and you know, and, and Elisha said, Lord, take away their sight, because I, I, have, I have an idea. And God did. And Elisha took that group of men and said, I, the guy you're looking for, Elisha, he's not here, but I know where he is. And he took him back to Samaria. And then their eyes were opened, and there they were in front, of the, in front of the king. So, you know what? Trust the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, because he has a plan that is good, and he will direct your steps. Amen? Amen. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." We depend, we, we depend on the wisdom of God. You know, we don't know the answers. We're going through these trials, and that's, it's, part of it is the uncertainty. We know we've got decisions to make, and we, we're not sure at the outset what those decisions are going to be, right? We have to consult with the Lord. That's what it means to trust in Him. Lord, I'm going to look to you for an answer. Man, God is faithful, and I want to say it blesses His heart. We're children of God. And how many of our little children, when they have a need and they come to us, do we, ever, do we ever refuse them? Do we ever consider the need too small? We don't. It's out of love that we give to our children. It's out of love that God gives to us being his children. In every need we have, it doesn't matter what it is, God is faithful to provide. But when we go through these trials, we need answers. We need wisdom. We need his counsel. Because guess what? We're liable to, make, to err. In fact, most of the time, we're going to err rather than to profit from our decisions. But when we're led by him, it's a sure win every time. It's a sure victory every time. And also, when we doubt, it says here, but if we ask of him with, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed about by the wind. See, our faithness just needs to be strong. Do we believe his word to be true? Is this the same God that parted the Red Sea for his people for two and a half million Israelites who were freed from 400, over 400 years of slavery? Is this the same God that parted that sea so they could, and he created the, the bottom instead of being muddy and murky and like quicksand, it was dry, like a dry bed? so they could get to the other side and be safe. And all the while, there's chariots of Egyptians coming after them, chasing. There's a big dust storm because there's so many of them. And they get to the other side, and what happens? They get down inside of the, in the end of that dry land, and the water collapses and comes down upon them. And it should have been a 20-day journey to, go to, to, meet, to make it to, to the promised land. But did they make it in 20 days? No. Because when they got to the other side, they only mumbled and grumbled, forgetting the slavery they were involved in, right? And, Lord, what are we going to do? 
And they were just mumbling and grumbling. Oh, they're hungry, so what did God do? He rained down bread from heaven called manna. Oh, and then now, now they're thirsty. What else did they do? Oh, take that staff. Remember that staff that Moses threw down before Pharaoh and it turned into a snake? Grabbed its tail and it turned into a staff? Take that staff and go over there and tap on those rocks. And he tapped on those rocks and there was more than enough water. They were plentiful with water. Oh, and then they began to complain they had no meat. Lord, we don't have any meat. And they complained against Moses. We don't have any meat. What did God do? He ushered quail into their campsite. Well, they didn't trust God. And what did they do? They took extra quail, stuffed it in their bags. God wasn't pleased with that. Where's the trust there? Right? That's, here's where they were. They were downing. And God wants us to trust him every minute of every day. And that's what he wanted with the Israelites. You know, he, he said, I am going to provide for you. You are here in the middle of the desert, but you're going to have food. You're going to have clothing. You're going to have something to drink. I uh, will not leave you alone. They didn't trust him. They did. We, we should look at that in our own example, in our own life. He wants not just them, but us. He wants us to trust him in everything we do. Every minute of every day. It's not like, okay, God, I got this one. This one's a simple one. I can do this. I don't need you. You know, it's like, you know, your little one, Daisy. I got this, you know, Mom. I don't need you. I don't need you. You know, it breaks your heart. Well, it breaks his heart, too. He wants to provide for us. He's given us gifts and talents. But along with those gifts and talents, he wants you to trust him with those gifts and talents because he's going to continue to expand those things in your life if you let him. You know, we can only go so far on our own. But with God, oh, the, eternity is the limit. Amen. So now we're going to move down to in the same chapter, verse 12. And it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation... For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So I want to say right here, Jesus came to redeem us from this weakness in the flesh, right? And we're made of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. And when we first believed, his spirit joined together with our spirit, making us a new creation. Our spirit was imperfect, looked like Swiss cheese, if you could do a DNA test on it. But after he joined together with ours, our spirit became perfect. It is as perfect as it will ever be. And because of our faith in Jesus, we received his spirit. Because of our faith in Jesus, when we received his spirit, we now have taken on a righteous standing before our Heavenly Father, though we still have this weakness of sin in our flesh, our standing before God is righteous, is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, 
Is it on account of my works, your works, all of our works? Absolutely not. Jesus lived perfectly. Jesus fulfilled the law completely. When Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sins. He became a curse for us so we could become the righteousness of God in him. The first Adam sinned and we inherited that sin. God provided a perfect righteous man, that would be his son, who came down and lived in the flesh like us and was like us in every way except for sin. So even though he took our sins, he became sin, literally. He bore, our, he bore the, the, the condemnation that was ours, the judgment that, that, that was ours. It was placed on Jesus. He took it all. So when we put faith in Jesus, guess what? Our judgment's been paid for. Every sin we've ever committed has been paid for. Now, do we just go on and we just continue to sin? Well, we, we, we now have him living in us, and he is, we're going through this process of change, and that was his plan for redemption, that until we received a, this new body and a, this perfect glorified body like his, and that'll be after we leave this tent behind, our soul, our mind, our heart, our will, and our emotions, at that point, that, will, that part of us will become perfect. But there is this slow process of change, him living in us, him changing our thoughts, our attitudes. We can't change ourselves. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had to come to do this. But when we trust in him, we walk in faith each and every day. We say, Lord, I just submit my life unto you. Well, Lord, maybe I'm struggling with something over here. I need your help. You know what? God doesn't leave us when we fall short. It's not like we got a covering, we have a good day, and we fall short another day, and God says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get away from you. You're not worthy of me. In and of myself, I'm not worthy of him. But in Christ, and according to what he did, now we all, as believers, are worthy of him. Amen? So I want to say here, God is not the one tempting us. God does not tempt us. In the same way, God is not bringing trials against us in life. It, it goes contrary to his nature. Amen? Each one is tempted. We know we have a weakness in the flesh. We still have a sin condition in this flesh and in this soul and, and, until it's completely redeemed. It hasn't been completely redeemed yet. I want to read a scripture verse here. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. Paul's talking about this sin condition, right? He wants to please God. He wants to do it perfectly. As a Jew, he was zealous toward God. He was zealous in the law. Obviously, the law did not justify any man, so God created a new covenant, and that's through faith in Jesus. But this is the struggle Paul was talking about that he dealt with and that we all deal with. And it says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that the law is good. See, the law was given really just to point out our sin and our weakness so when Jesus came, we could say, man, I, I need you, Jesus. I'm trying to please you. I want to do the right thing. I just find myself falling short. And, and man, I'm, I'm sorry, but guess what? That's why he came. But now it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that dwells in me. 
As long as we're in this flesh, it's imperfect. We have this weakness towards sin. So what we say in, in the world is the devil made me do it? <laughs> well, kind of, you know, he, he's, he's talking to you. He's trying to convince you that that's the right way to go, that, oh, surely you should do this. But, you know, when you begin to understand God's character, there's no way you can hear what the devil has to say and, and begin to agree with him. God's character is nothing but good. Amen? In verse 17, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who did do it, but it is sin that dwells in me. I find a law, then a law, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For my delight is in the law of God according to the inward man. So there's this struggle. Paul talks about it. He said the flesh is warring against the spirit. The spirit is warring, warring against the flesh. We still have this inherent weakness to sin because we haven't been fully redeemed. We just have to understand that. But God's not condemning us, us for that. God just wants, to live us, wants us to live a prosperous life. And, you know, we're going to struggle with sin from time to time. And when we do, it's really not a pleasant thing. When it's over, we're like, oh, man, I don't feel good about that. But he is, here to, he is here to encourage us. He is here to strengthen us. We have an eternal high priest in the heavenlies whose name is Jesus. And when we fall short, we just get up and we run boldly to him. We don't have to go hide in the bushes like Adam and Eve and cover ourselves with fig leaves. Man, we've been covered. We've been clean, cleansed. We've been made whole. Amen? And here's Paul, he's struggling, but he says, I know something greater. I know I have the Spirit of God living in me, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. The inward man is that born-again person who's been made new in Christ. And you know, we've been reborn of the seed of Christ when we put faith in him. And whatever the seed is, it becomes. If it's an apple seed in nature, it becomes an apple tree and does not produce oranges or an orange seed, and it becomes an orange tree and produces oranges. We've been born in the seed of Christ. That is our guarantee of our inheritance in Him. We have His Spirit eternally dwelling with us, not just now in this life, but in eternal life hereafter. He's joined to us. In 1 Corinthians six seventeen, it says, those, those who have been joined to the Lord are now one spirit with Him. We become one with the Spirit of God, the Father, the Son, and their Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What a joy. What Amen. A and when you're going through things in life, you know, and you just don't know which way to turn, and you turn to the Lord, but you, in your own self, with your own wisdom, you want to pray. And sometimes you don't even know how to pray, right? I mean, it's like you're so wiped out that there aren't even words. And that's when God gives us the greatest gift. And that is the gift of praying in tongues because it's that Holy Spirit that is living inside of you that knows exactly. He knows exactly how to pray. He knows the situation. He knows the answer. 
And so what you do is you, you just surrender your own mouth and your own heart, and you begin to let that Holy Spirit pray over the circumstance and watch the whole atmosphere change. You know, God will not leave us alone for one second. We're the one that walks away from him and tries to do our own thing. But if we'll just run back to him, like Jeff said, just like a daddy who is waiting when you skin your knee, you know, he doesn't say, oh, tough, get up and go on your own. You know, no, he said, come here. Let me, let me clean it up. We'll put a Band-Aid on it. And then you turn him around, pat him on the back. Go get him, tiger. Go back out there and, and live because I got your back. Amen. So now we're going to turn to Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. And it addresses this sin condition once again. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may, may abound? See, we don't go forth. We're not just trying to sin. We're not just trying to. We want to overcome this thing. Obviously, we're walking with him. He's changing our attitudes. And he's changing the desire that we want to please him. God's made us for good works. God made us to be like him, uh, holy and righteous and just. We actually, that's our standing before him. Praise God. You know, whenever the devil comes against us, he's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to point out our ear. We need to remind him that we now are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can change that standing. Amen. Amen? So, you know what? Hey, man, I messed up. Sorry, God. I asked for your forgiveness. I'm forgiven. What does he do? Come here. Sit on my lap. Gives us a big hug. He tells us how... how much he loves us, how precious we are in his sight. You know, it says in the Old Testament in a couple of places, his thoughts toward us are more numerous than the stars of the sky and more numerous than all the sands on all the seashores in the world. He, con he constantly is thinking only good thoughts towards us, even when we fall short. If we feel that, you know, part of our redemption is that we've been freed from guilt, shame, and condemnation. When we go, when we fall short, he doesn't, he's not imputing our sins. He's not trying to make us feel guilty. That's not coming from God. He came to free us from that. That's torment, right? When, when we're feeling guilty and we're feeling condemned, that's tormenting, right? But guess what? Run to me. So when we're sitting on his lap, guess what? He gives us encouragement. He reminds us, reminds us of his love. He fills us with his strength. He gives us a word of hope and encouragement. Amen? And he says, just go forth. And we, we, we begin to change. Our thoughts change. Our attitudes. We want to do the right thing. It's because he, he's encouraging us to do this. So, once again in, in Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that 
we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And through faith in him, this says, if we've been baptized with Christ, we died with him, we were buried with him. Did he rise from the grave? Amen. Hallelujah. This is a guarantee. If you are in Christ Jesus, guess what? You've been washed, you've been cleansed, we have been cleansed, and we too have the guarantee of the resurrection of Christ in the very same way. According to my works, your works, absolutely not. According to what he did for us through the cross, the suffering, death, and resurrection. Without the resurrection, there'd be no victory. But he rose from the grave as a human being for all of eternity, the first human being to rise for all of eternity. So he became the new Adam for us. So when we put our faith and trust in him, his indelible mark of righteousness is ours forever. Amen. And so when you're going through trials and tribulations, you are not alone. There is a great answer to that situation. And we can, we can tell you, you know, we, uh, we've been through some trials and tribulations, and they're actually still going on. But you know what? We are praising Jesus. You know, God says, praise me in all things, in all things, not just the good stuff. You know, it's, you just don't thank him for the good gifts. You thank him for his covering because you know that the victory is yours no matter what the path looks like. He's got the weapons of warfare surrounding you as you go through that valley of the shadow of death. We can fear no evil because he's with us. His rod, his staff, his rod is guiding us. His staff is keeping the bad guys away. And we're walking through, holding his hand, holding Jesus' hand. We're covered. So I want to encourage you today that if there are things in life, and, and there are, <laughs> I know every one of you could, you know, Put your hand up and say, yeah, this is going on or that's gone on. And, but we've all seen victories in all those different areas in the past. And so we just say, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord, for the victory. Praise you for those things that I cannot see. But I know they're there because that's what faith is, the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You might not see them yet, but they're there and they're happening. And we praise you, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Hope you've all been blessed.